Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm, I'm very uh, excited today about, um, you know, just the message that God has, has given us. And, and, and it is a message that comes from his heart. And I wonder how we who claim to know his heart, perceived his heart, who've heard rumors of another world and, and believe them, I wonder how we can look at the love of God and, and look at our world and not love. I wonder how we can look at his hope and how we can be so cynical in this broken world. I wonder how we can look at his kingdom, his invisible kingdom, um, that was not um, you know, made in the visible world. I wonder how we can look at his invisible kingdom and prioritize our lives so much in this culture and in our politics. We are so divided in this broken world. We can't even talk to each other anymore. If you're not in my camp, then you're bad or you're dumb or you're ignorant and, and therefore not worth talking to. And so I would say to you, whether you are Republican or independent or, or a Democrat, that, that if you have believed in the kingdom, that your identity comes not from those things, but from the king. And that your vision of life does not flow from a visible world, but an invisible kingdom. We live in a broken world where we are so cynical and so angry and so overwhelmed. But it ought not to be so with us who believe. The church is overwhelmed. We are overwhelmed. We are busy. We are hurried. We are barely making it. But Jesus came to offer this kingdom in which his life overflowed through us. Jesus came to offer us a life that, that we could offer to others. But somehow the inspiration and the beauty of Jesus' vision of life has died down in our modern hearts. And, and we are more breathing the secondhand smoke of, of the world's unbelief, of its politics, of of its cynicism, of its classism, of its racism, of its fallenness, then, then we are living the vision of the kingdom. So to all of us who are overwhelmed, I want to remind you, there is a king. For all of us who, who look at the world and we're prone to join in in the criticizing and, and in even withdrawing from it because it's just too big, it's just too broken, I can't do anything. You can change a world. You have the vision of God in you if you have the heart of Christ in you. Somehow the 21st century church has has become this thing that, that meets once a week and, 
and is religious, but it is not alive in the world between the meetings. But it wasn't always so, and it ought not to be so with us. I want to invite you to drop your cynicism off in the dumpster. I want to invite you to be less a, and then fill in your political party, than a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I want to invite you to not see as the world around you sees, but to begin to work, and I mean work, to see people like Jesus sees them. And to see the problems and the brokenness of the world, not as the result of bad and what we need to reject and condemn, but but as opportunities and what we need to move towards because our God is a dreamer. (laughs) And he has a dream for every life and he has a dream of a redeemed world and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that the world might be reconciled through him. But his dream was not just for one son long ago, but for millions of sons and daughters who would share his heart and his faith and live his dream of a reconciled world where we in love are the difference. So there's politic and anger and church that does nothing or kingdom and hope, and optimism, and movement, and faith, and involvement. Paul prayed as he began to close out the book of Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. No matter how bad and broken the world is, you are not overwhelmed, you are filled with all the joy and all the peace and all the optimism of heaven itself so that, so that you may overflow, not live overwhelmed. How this? By faith, as you trust in him. So it's going to take work, people. It ain't going to be easy. It's going to take work. But as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's step back from our cynicism and our hopelessness and our overwhelmed and let's dream again the kingdom's dreams. Let's see again Jesus' vision of a broken world. Let's be inspired.
I don't care, I don't care, so call me crazy. We can live in a world that we design. Every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill my head A million dreams are keeping me awake I think of what the world could be A vision of the one I see A million dreams is all it's gonna take
So in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, there is a story of, of Jesus, and he's coming home to Capernaum. And we're going to read the first um, five, six verses is going to be the focus. And I just want to say, if you don't have your paper Bible with you, then know that, you know, you can go to Bible.com or go to your app, uh, you know, store and, and download free uversion.live. And there's this amazing resource for encountering the Word of God and doing devotions, you know, between our gatherings. It's, it's amazing what God will, will offer you in that. You've got also those notes, uh, those scripture texts in your, your notes. So in this story, Jesus is going back to Capernaum, his hometown. This is a homecoming for him. And, and as he goes back to hometown, uh, the scripture says that the people heard that he'd, he'd come and they gathered from everywhere because Jesus was always intriguing and inspiring. People thought differently about Jesus than they did about the world. They saw the world differently when they saw him. They gathered in such large numbers because Jesus was always attractive, always intriguing. People were always um, curious about him and his life. And they gathered in such large number, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, you know, a, a Middle Eastern village. Um, if you've ever seen um, something from, you know, rural Iraq or rural Afghanistan, then you've probably seen in the 21st century pretty much what existed in the first century. <laughs> you know, uh, often closed streets, uh, sometimes built with stone, more often, you know, built with just whatever materials are around, everything close, everything on top of one another, and, and flat roofs and, and little space. And Jesus preached the word. What word? The good news. The good news that we're loved, that there's hope, the good news that death doesn't win, the good news is that we can be forgiven and free, the good news that we're valued and we're wanted, the good news that we don't have to live in lies, the good news that we don't have to live uh, a self-guided life, always wrecking the car that we're driving, the good news is that, that God in love has given us the offer of a new leader in our lives. And that if we'll trust Jesus, he will lead us through every hardship, every temptation, every, every bad thing. Jesus will lead us safely home. So verse 3 kind of begins the story of the four friends. Some men came. They are given no names here. Bringing a man paralyzed, carried by four of them. Now, I want you to just kind of use your imagination, if you will, because it is, it is a hard thing to be paralyzed, to say the least. I want you to, again, imagine it. Imagine not being able to move your, your legs and your feet at will. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you think about it, you just can't. Imagine not being able to move your hands uh, and your arms, Imagine not having control over your bodily functions. And remember, this is the first century. There's no medicine. There's no hospital. Anything that claims to be medicine typically does more harm than good. And even cleanliness is not even valued as something that's, you know, helpful in terms of health. This man's life is the definition of heart. 
And for all of his life, people just passed by him. For all of his life, people looked on him and pitied him. For all of his life, people just said, there's nothing that could be done. And, and I promise you, there was a whole lot of people in the village that simply ignored him and had nothing to do with him because they had their own pain, their own problems, their own issues, their own hurt. And that's just a reminder of how bad and hard and hurtful life is. And so I bet safely saying that most of his life he spent ignored and suffering and hopeless until these four. They saw his world. They saw his suffering. And because they also saw Jesus, they saw the possibility of change, of hope, of healing for this man. And so the, the scripture, it's, it's kind of funny actually how, how it reads here um, because it, it, it very clearly says that, that they came bringing him on a mat carried by the four of them. Now, in my head, I always pictured them having some sort of like, you know, I don't know, uh, pallet or, or, you know, gurney, something that they like tied a rope around all four corners. But the scripture just talks about a mat. <laughs> this could have even been messier than the cleaned up version we're imagining where, where they, they lower him down. But I'm getting ahead of the story. So this paralyzed man was carried by four of them. They came to the house. Verse 4 says they couldn't get to, to Jesus because of the crowd. And easily at that point, they could have quit. They could have stopped. They could have said, look, we tried, but they didn't. They, they made an opening in the roof. They used their imagination. They saw possibilities where everybody only saw impossibilities. They were creative and innovative. They worked around the problem and they carried this man up the side steps to the roof and they began to destroy someone's house. Now, I mean, you know, I don't, again, imagine what it was like. Now you're in that room under, it's nighttime, it's dark. There's obviously no electrical lights. Any light that comes is from uh, a fire, a smoking torch. It's smoky inside. Uh, it's stuffy because there is no fan, no AC. There's just a bunch of, of sweaty, crowded people in this room listening to the hope of the world um, be love. And then the dust starts increasing. Now, I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to be, you know, to be preaching and teaching. And then uh, all of a sudden, this, this roof starts to fall down to the floor and people, <laughs> you know, they're breathing the dust and the hole starts to get bigger and everybody's looking up. And I can promise you that there were people in that room who were not happy about what was going on. So they made this hole in the room. And again, I've always imagined that they, that they lowered by four ropes him down, but it, it never says that. It just says they, they, they lowered the mat the man was lying on. I, you know, they might have just tied a rope around his arms and, and dangled his poor paralyzed body to the ground after they threw his mat down. I don't know. 
But it was crazy. It was unprecedented. It had never happened before in, in all of human history and in all of religion. This had never happened. These anonymous four were changing history. They were changing a world. And, and the guy gets down on the ground, helpless to control, completely trusting what, what his friends were doing, unable to, to guide himself in any way. He's lying there on the ground that is now newly cleared uh, by this stunned crowd. And the scripture says this about Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now there's Jesus being Jesus again. Because what's the most obvious need? This man who could not walk, who could not move his limbs, who, who may not have been able to even control his bodily functions. What does this man need more than anything in the world? Well, you'd think he'd need his body to work. But Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And we're going to come back to that in just a little bit as Jesus gives him what he truly needed most. The reason I'm sharing this story with you today is, is because when we are changed by love, we love what's broken. You know, we're, we don't love with, a, with a, a love that sees and pities. We, we love with a love that sees and acts. We, we do something. And, and what I'm trying to lead us to do is actually be the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. God never sent his son to die for denominations and organizations that would gather once a week in buildings that they build, they mistakenly call churches, and, and that do nothing dynamic during the week. God never created to a, a social structure where a few people would be stars or, or stage and, and everybody else would be consumers and, and watchers. That's not what Jesus came to do. The, the scripture is very, very clear that the Son of God came to start a, a redemption that would go life by life, that, that he would change the world by changing a world, one life, one heart at a time. And in the light of God's glory, we who've seen it, we see the glory of the least. When you've glimpsed by faith the glory of God, the hope of heaven, you look at the people around you who the world calls the least, who the world says is unimportant, and, and because you've seen the glory of God and, and you felt the glory of his love for yourself, you see the glory of their life as well. So today, I want to challenge you. What I want you to do with what you hear is to look for the least and to change a world. Look for them. Believe that because Christ is overflowing in you, that he has given you the responsibility. We look, look at that word responsibility and we think, oh great, one more thing, I'm already overwhelmed. But the ability to respond to, to the overwhelming broken of the world is empowerment, responsibility. God has empowered us so that we're not overwhelmed we're overflowed. And out of the overflow of our changed world, we notice the need of other people and, and we believe their world could be changed by Jesus as well. 
And we don't stay apart and away from them. We move towards them. Um, and, and as a broken person who's experienced the filling of God, we, we go to a broken person who hasn't and, and we offer it. So this is, this is the revolution that, that, that honestly we can start here at the Church of Seven Run. Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. I can tell you how to meet Jesus. Go and find the overlooked, the underserved. Go and find the people that everybody else is putting down right now. And instead of them being a stranger and a danger and an alien to you, they suddenly now are they're Jesus. So, so do we believe this, this story or not? Do we, do we understand the, the meaning of these four friends? Because these four friends are what living Jesus looks like. We talk about loving well and living Jesus and believing big. This is what it looks like. It, it, it's right here. So I want you to, to realize again that we are people of the kingdom of God. We, we are people of an invisible world. And, and we are called to change a world, the, the world of, of some other broken person. So, so when, what I'm telling you is, is when we talk about changing the world, typically what we're talking about is um, doing something that will get me noticed. Like, we, we, I'm going to change the world. What we're honestly talking about is I'm going to do something that will get me the applause of other broken people because I am leaking life inside and I don't know who I am in God. I'm going to try to prop up my insecurity and my ego with, with your approval and your applause. I'm not talking about changing the world in that sense. I'm, I'm talking about Believing that I am noticed. That God knows my name. He sees who I am. And, and now I'm free from the need of stroking my ego, of people applauding me, telling me how great I am. I don't need uh, anything from anyone because I received everything from the one. And Jesus knew the name of these four friends. And I'm sure... Mark could have found it out, but that's the whole point of the story is <laughs> that when you're filled to overflowing, there's only one name that really matters to you, and it ain't yours. <laughs> it's the name of Jesus. So, so do you understand this concept of changing a world? The world is overwhelming. I, I can't do all that. A world you can do that. Every day, God gives you and I opportunities to impact someone's world. The world of a child, the world of an adult, the world of somebody on the side, the world of somebody in the margins, the world of somebody that the people around you don't consider important. Every single day, God gives you the ability to change a world. 
Yesterday, someone shared, and since I haven't talked with them, I, I can't give their name, but they just shared that in a hard season of life, one of the highlights of their day is when they drive through the gate at Fort Meade and, and the uh, security guard uh, welcomes them by name and, and greets them with a loving smile. Pastor Drew, that's not changing a world. The heck it isn't. Every act of spirit-inspired grace and love, everything that points beyond this broken and cynical world, it, it is a part of the Holy Spirit's work of changing a world. A word that is kind, a word that is upbuilding, a word that is well-spoken in a moment of need and brokenness to a child, to an adult, to somebody hurting, is powerful. It can change the world. Each one of you have had your worlds broken by harsh words, and you remember them. They sting to this day. You're not good enough. You're not like your brother. You'll never amount to anything. But also, every one of you has had somebody speak love into your life. And that changed your world. But it's not just words. Don't discount the power of words. But you need to understand that God has called us to act, to do, to be, to look at the world around us and not wash our hands of it. To not say we can't do anything about it and then fill in the blank. We can do something about everything. Amen? We're not helpless. We're not hopeless. We are not overwhelmed. We are overflowed with the power of God. And so life by life, person by person, you and I can look for the least and we can change a world. What if these four friends hadn't? Hadn't what, Pastor Drew? Been friends. Showed up. Done what they did. Now some of you are going to disagree with what I say next. That's okay. Because we can love without disagreeing or without agreeing on everything. Really? God's will is that everyone should come to know him, that, that, that no one should, should be apart from him, and yet many will reject him. It is not the will of God that any should be lost, but all should come, and yet not all will come and many will be lost. So some of you say, well, if, if those four hadn't come, somebody else would have come along. That's, in my mind, baloney. If those four hadn't stepped up in faith and seen what other people didn't see and believed what other people wouldn't believe and been unstoppable in other ways that people were stopped, I believe that guy would have died a paralytic. I believe that God does raise at certain points in history uh, unique people uh, who set up circumstances that give choices for other people. Moses was raised up to give his people the choice of staying in Egypt or walking into freedom. What did they choose? Well, they chose 40 years of, of, of more slavery. God raised up Jesus uniquely to give his people a choice of whether or not they wanted to stay in the visible world and its brokenness or whether they wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven by faith in him. You say, well, Pastor Drew, I think God's will is going to be done regardless. I do too. But a part of God's will is that he gives us free will and we can choose to let love win or we can choose not to. When Jesus saw their what? What does the scripture say? Their faith. He was moved. I honestly believe that our lack of faith has made the world more broken. But more positively, I honestly believe that the rise of faith in us is going to make the world more redeemed. 
I honestly believe that as more and more of us stop making excuses for ourselves in our overwhelmed, in our busy, in our schedules, well, I don't have time and I'm not this and I'm not that and I, yai, 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 yai. Start the sense with Jesus and see how it goes. It's completely different. Look for the least and change a world. See what others don't and weigh others don't. Look for the least, the overlooked, the, the underserved. Move to and lead to. Move towards uh, what is broken and lead towards Jesus. Do something. Don't discount simple. Don't run from risk. Learn to change your faith so that your faith is a do-something faith. Now that you know these things, Jesus said, you will be blessed if you do them. Learn to look for opportunities every single day to live your faith, to do your faith, to activate your faith, to integrate your faith. Learn to look for the opportunities in the broken world around you. And every broken thing you see, it is an opportunity for God to redeem. You can't change the world, but you can change a world every single day, starting at home. Take your ego out of the loop. The issue is Jesus. Nobody needs to know your name. Nobody needs to praise you. Nobody needs to do anything because Jesus has already done everything for you. And you don't have to fix or solve anything. You just got to bring people to Jesus. Overwhelmed or overflowing, those are our choices. One runs from Jesus. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm going to run from Jesus and, and I'm going to run from need. Overflowing runs towards broken and towards Jesus. Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Learn in your busy life to run towards Jesus. But just understand, Jesus doesn't look like the successful and the proud Jesus looks like the least and the broken. Most of us imagine we'd be happier and more fulfilled and more successful uh, if we had some bigger miracle at work in our life. You know, God, if you'd, if you'd only made me look different, if you'd only made me more talented, oh, if I, if I could sing like these guys, I'd, be, I'd, I'd serve you then. I'd make a difference in this world. God, if you'd... What we're really saying, God, if you'd only really been good to me, I'd, I'd believe you. If you'd been a little more generous, a little more kind, a little bit more loving to me, God, if, if you'd give me some greater miracle, I, I'd have given you a greater life back. Wow. The biggest miracle in all of human history is the forgiveness of sin. Son, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and Walk. 1 John 2.12 says, your sins are forgiven on account of his name. It's not what we do or us being good enough. Ephesians 1.7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And verse 10 says, if we deny that we have sin, uh, we, we lie and the word of God does not live inside of us. We have this amazing miracle that we are free from every broken thing inside of us, every darkness, every pain of the past, every wound. We are freed from all that is death and we are brought into the fullness of God's life through forgiveness in Christ. 
And through confession and repentance, we are released from all the limits of our sin, all the overwhelmed. So, if you sit back and do less in life because you think God gave you less, I have for years been working with the sound guys so that they could electronically give me the voice of Charlton Heston. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know who that is, but go back and watch the old movie, The Bible. You know, if I only had Charlton Heston's voice, then, uh, or if I, if I looked like, is there anybody here who hasn't want to look like somebody else? Some of y'all going, no, I'm all that, you know? <laughs> I am me and you are privileged to look, you know? But, but, but all of us need to recognize that we have been given freedom and life in Christ through the forgiveness of our sins. And in the overflow of that miracle greater than any other miracle, we live and we see and we dream and we do if we believe. So what's our excuse for receiving all of this extraordinary and offering God an ordinary overwhelmed life that does nothing between the meetings? The reality is that if you and I are forgiven, then the miracle of that healing is going to drive us to love. It is going to drive us to touch a broken world around us, to do something extraordinary in Jesus' name. And your name may never be in lights, and no one may ever know. They certainly didn't, these four friends, but that is the glory of God. He knows your name. He will get the glory. If you have to have the glory, then you're saying God will not get it from you. But the surprising life of God's son on earth, this extraordinary, amazing life was meant to be inside of you and to fill you and to challenge you to extraordinary. So change a world every day. Every single day, walk in the power of forgiveness and and be the difference in this broken world, believing in the redemption and the plan of God that all things are not falling apart but are being brought together life by life, love by love, act by act. That the rumors of another world are all true and they're all revealed in the simplest acts of grace and love and mercy. You can change a world. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big. Believe big.